The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The May 24th edition is brought to you by Orca Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of May 24th, 2023. The Docent Difference. Track athletes qualify for state. Teddy bears with wings. Cemetery walk and potluck. Plus, choice excerpts from the sheriff's log. From the Island's Sounder, The Docent Difference, by Toby Cooper. David Zoller pulls into the familiar yard at Orcus Recycling Services, parks on the lower level, and puts his keys in his pocket. A bluegrass riff plays in his head as he slips into an orange high-vis vest and picks up a ten-foot pole with a stainless gaff bolted on one end. Glancing down at the cavernous bin already half-filled with mixed recycling, he suppresses the riff and begins to hook non-conforming stuff out for proper sorting. It's the first thing I always do on my shift, says Z, as he is known throughout the Orcus community. Cardboard needs to go in the dedicated cardboard bin, not in mixed. Sometimes there's outright trash, but the worst is loose plastic bags. Those things gum up the whole works and render automatic sorting machines temporarily useless. He hooks one more cardboard box, flattens it, then greets an incoming customer who asks if glass should be sorted by color, no, and if caps should be removed, not necessary. In fact, Z is part of a select team of like-minded individuals who volunteer at ORS as docents. Their job is simple, help customers, including island residents, occasional visitors, businesses, and contractors, with sorting and disposing of the various waste products we all tend to accumulate. The only prerequisite for docent service, it seems, is a ready smile which makes Z eminently qualified for the job. We used to think of our docents as tour guides, says Jim Duff Duffield, treasurer of the ORS Board of Directors. Duffield spearheads the four-year-old docent program and serves multiple shifts himself throughout the year. The goal is to help customers navigate the nuances of sorting at our facility, but they are much, much more than guides. With executive director Pete Moe and the board spending their time behind desks, the docents have become the face of our organization. Duffield and Moe agree that recycling has long been a way of life for Orcus. The docents simply make it better. Moreover, ORS, which operates as a nonprofit business entity on contract with San Juan County Waste Management Services, pursues a mission to help Orcus become a zero-waste community, in which traditional waste products can be treated as commodities on their way back into the productive economy. However, people make mistakes or get confused when confronted with the profusion of choices for sorting trash. There are multiple kinds of plastic, all recyclable, but the question is, are all actually recycled in Washington? No, and Z can help you understand. I am a big believer that the whole system needs to change, says Z, who equates our collective reliance on one-way plastics to an addiction. 
To him, the weekly two-hour shifts are part of his own mission to make the world a better place. Come out and try it, says docent Heather Nelson, a relative newcomer to Orcus who saw the service as one way to make new friends in the community. What keeps me coming back is just meeting people. One day, a woman came in singing in this beautiful voice while dumping trash. It made my whole day. Proper sorting at the front end of the recycling process can compel the efficiency and effectiveness of the entire operation. ORS offers big discounts for sorted items like cardboard and all kinds of glass, a benefit sometimes overlooked by the customers who in turn welcome the friendly reminder from one of the docents. Unlike the retired Z, Nelson still works full-time. For her, the weekly shifts are a welcome break from Zoom meetings. I have had a lifelong commitment to the environment, she says. About 80% of the people I talk to are responsive and passionate about doing their best. If 20% want nothing to do with any of it, I am still happy just being here. Since becoming a docent, Nelson decided to up her game. She has now signed up for a seven-week online course with Beyond Plastics, a project at Vermont-based Bennington College devoted to ending plastic pollution. There is a lot more we can do, she says. Duffield, Moe, Z, and Nelson speak with one voice when it comes to the future of the docent program. We need more people, they say. At the end of the day, this is a people business. Two hours a week can make such a difference. Adds Duffield, they are indispensable. They make good things happen every day. Track Athletes Qualify for State by Colleen Smith-Summers The Vikings track team is heading to state. The competition is May 25th to 27th at the Eisenhower High School in Yakima. The state meet qualifiers are Bethany Carter for discus, August Moore in the 3200 race, Malia Martinolich in the 400, Diego Lago for the long jump, triple jump, and 4x100 relay, Remy Lago in the 100-meter, 4x100 relay, Porter Willis for the 400-meter, 4x100 relay, and Guillermo Sagaro Iglesias for the 4x100 relay. Relay alternate is Ethan Moss. In addition, Diego won the long jump and the triple jump at the quad district, which is basically half of the state meet. Bethany also won the discus, said coach Frank Rome. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Teddy Bears with Wings By Russell Barsh, Director of Quiot North America's largest, most secretive, and least understood bats thrive in woodlands on the west side of San Juan Island. Hoary bats, Laceurus cinereus, have been seen flying as far north as the Yukon and hibernating in treetops as far south as the Four Corners. Tagging studies discovered that while some hoary bats travel north and south with the seasons, as much as a thousand miles or more, others migrate east and west, and some do not migrate at all, forming year-round resident populations. 
Gardeners, farmers, and foresters should welcome hoary bats because they dine primarily on destructive moths, in pursuit of which they fly high above the treetops at speeds of nearly 20 miles per hour. Hoary bats also sometimes prey on some of the large beetles that are pests of orchards and woodlands. Hoary bats are difficult to study for several reasons. One reason is that they do not form large colonies in conspicuous locations such as caves, barns, bridges, or mine shafts. Adult females typically nest alone, somewhere in the treetops, a tree cavity, or simply sheltered by a large branch, where they give birth usually to twins. Nearly all other North American bats have a single pup each year. Hoary bat pups take about five weeks to grow strong enough to fly, but remain with their mothers for several weeks longer as they gain flight experience and learn how to fend for themselves. Yet it is only by a tremendous stroke of luck, or by trapping, acoustic tagging, and tracking individual bats home, that researchers find where a hoary bat mother is sleeping with her pups. Another challenge for researchers, and one of the most intriguing characteristics of hoary bats, is that they often fly without echolocating. At the same time, they frequently make low-frequency calls that are completely unlike echolocation chirps. Many insects use sound as well as smell, pheromones, to attract mates, and moths are known to be able to hear ultrasound and eavesdrop on approaching bats. Some moth species even jam bat echolocation chirps with squeaks and pops that can confuse attacking bats and throw them off course. Townsend's big-eared bats address this tactical challenge by chirping softly, whispering, as they approach their prey and going completely silent as they complete their attack. Hoary bats frequently fly silently to trick their moth prey, this has been blamed for the disproportionately high number of hoary bats that have been killed by wind turbines. Hoary bats on the prowl are flying by dead reckoning and visual cues, such as moonlight, and cannot see the propellers as well as bat species that echo located continuously. At the same time, studies conducted in the past few years have suggested that hoary bats talk a lot to each other as they are flying blind. Indeed, one study, while based on small numbers of bat recordings and thus not conclusive, raised the possibility that hoary bats speak regional dialects like many birds. What do hoary bats talk about? Food and sex perhaps, but we really do not yet know. Maybe the study of hoary bats on San Juan Island will yield fresh clues. The focal point for state and local bat researchers is Limekiln State Park. Limekiln State Park is surrounded by an extremely rare forest community that is only found in a handful of patches on the west side, near Port Townsend and lower Vancouver Island. Steep, rocky and dry, it is rich in grand firs and Pacific madrone, arbutus to Canadians, with an understory of Alaska onion grass, a true grass with a small, unpalatable, bulb-like root. Madrones are usually encountered as a pioneer species of dry slopes that grow tall and spindly as they try to compete for light with faster-growing Douglas firs. 
Along the west side, however, there are many truly ancient madrones with multiple trunks growing from a wide ring-like root crown. Over several centuries, the oldest trunks gradually fell as new ones replaced them. Gnarly and scarred by the loss of limbs to windstorms, these stubborn trees afford birds and bats a wealth of sheltered, safe cavities for their nests. Quiot is partnering with Limekiln State Park staff and Friends of Limekiln Society, Folks, to monitor hoary bats and share this charismatic species with visitors, together with the seven other bat species that make their homes in the park. Contact limekiln at parks.wa.gov 360-378-2044 and info at folksjiorg for events and publications in the summer months ahead. From the Islands Weekly, Cemetery Walk and Potluck, submitted by the Lopez Island Historical Society. On Sunday, May 28th, the Lopez Island Historical Society is co-hosting its second annual Cemetery Walk and Potluck with the Lopez Island Union Cemetery Association. Our ancestors' stories provide an opportunity for families and friends to share history and stories of loved ones buried in the Lopez Union Cemetery. Learn about some of the veterans, settlers, and indigenous peoples who helped provide the foundation for the Lopez Island community. Potluck will begin at 11 a.m. Please bring a dish to share, flatware, and possibly a chair. The cemetery walk will begin at 12.30 p.m. Address for Lopez Island Union Cemetery is 311 Davis Bay Road. All are welcome to share stories about their beloveds buried in the cemetery, friends or family members. If you are interested in sharing your own stories at the event, please contact Colin Walker at programs at lopezmuseum.org or Mary Reese at mreese1972 at comcast.net. And now, some choice selections from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log, where it appears summer has returned. On May 10th, a deputy took a report of an explosion in the East Sound area. Descriptions of suspects were provided, and the case is being investigated. On May 11th, a San Juan deputy assisted the park rangers with a female acting suspiciously and erratically at Moran State Park. When the deputy and ranger were walking away, the woman initiated contact again and bit the deputy. She was then placed under arrest and transported to San Juan. An Orcas deputy served a no-trespass warning letters to two individuals who illegally parked and set up camp on private property on Madrona Street. A Lopez deputy responded to a threats call from Decatur Island. I didn't know that Decatur Island was able to use a telephone. And who would threaten an island, anyway? On May 12th, deputies received a report of a man yelling at goats, and what sounded like the goats being hit. The goat's owner came into the sheriff's office and admitted to yelling at the goats. The loud banging was two baby goats running into the side of the goat house. 
Lopez deputies responded to an ongoing citizen dispute over landlord-tenant trespassing issues. The parties will likely need to resolve the issue in civil court due to a history of poor decisions. Make good choices, people. Make good choices. On May 14th, on San Juan, a deputy spoke with an individual who wanted to report that they had been receiving unwelcomed emails from unknown persons who were name-calling. The individual wanted the incident to be documented. On May 16th, deputies on San Juan responded to a report of drugs in Friday Harbor. Like, that's a surprise to anyone. A male was seen passed out on a bench with drug paraphernalia near him. After talking with the person, they voluntarily gave the drug paraphernalia to the deputies. This lovingly concludes the May 24, 2023 edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. Orcus Center is your place for fun and intrigue this spring with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcuscenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. It's a pleasure to read for you. I'm Caleb Summers.